We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app well good morning it is hardline here on news radio 930 wben joe beamer with you until noon today and we have a lot to talk about. Obviously, on Tuesday, we saw local and some outside of state elections um, that were surprising or exactly what we had expected. And we will be talking about those for the first hour and a half. Well, actually, for the full two hours, we'll also have Congressman Jacobson at 1130 to talk about what's been going on in D.C., especially with that infrastructure bill. And we did the show a, a little differently this week. I did the first hour. We will have Democrat guests. And in the second hour, Republican guests. So today we have Lynn Linehan on, we have Kevin Hardwick on, we have Carl Calabrese on, and Congressman Chris Jacobs. So, you know, an hour for each side of the aisle. How do you like that? We are starting with former Erie County Democrat Chairman Lynn Linehan. Lynn, good morning. Hey, Lynn, good morning. Good morning. Hey. Lynn, uh, after uh, what happened on Tuesday, what were your uh, thoughts on the election results that we saw here locally in Erie County on Tuesday night? Well, actually, I was pretty um, encouraged uh, as a former Democratic chairman, um, strongly supporting uh, you know our party. Um, given what happened in the rest of the state, we did very well in Erie County uh, on the Democratic side. We actually picked up an office we didn't have. You mentioned Kevin Hardwick coming out later. He won an impressive victory in the controller's race in a low turnout year for, for Democrats. So that was an impressive win. We also managed to keep control of the county legislature. There's one seat that's close, but I think it, when all the absentee ballots are counted, we will win that seat as well. So overall, on a county-wide basis, obviously in the city, Mayor Brown won a very strong uh, re-election um, uh, bid uh, as a writing candidate. Um, we had a big turnout in the city. Um, countywide, it was a so-so turnout. But the bottom line is a Democratic Party uh, held very well, kept the legislature, picked up the controller's office. And um, so, you know, I, I think we did pretty well. Were you surprised how close the uh, the sheriff's election was, uh, given that three of the candidates were more conservative candidates against one Democrat? Well, you know, the sheriff's department is is an office that Democrats have not won in uh, 24 years, um, and uh, yeah, I was I was surprised that you know we didn't do a little bit better on that. 
But I, I think, as I mentioned on um, Channel 4 on Tuesday night, um, you know, I think a lot of people um, look at a, a law enforcement elected position as a male sort of dominion. And even though, um, you know, women in other parts of the state um, and certainly other parts of the country are able to be elected to a law enforcement job like a sheriff, it's still tough for us to do that in Erie County. So, um, you know, in a low turnout year, keep in mind that the four-year cycle, um, you know, presidential year last year was the highest turnout, but the next year consistently over decades is the low turnout year, particularly for Democrats in the suburbs. And, um, and usually, keep in mind, we don't have a race for mayor uh, going on in the city because usually that race is decided in the primary, and that means a low turnout of Democratic voters in the city as well. But because of the mayor's race, we had a good turnout in the city. I think that helped Kevin work. I think he probably would have won anyways. But I think the bottom line is, um, you know, things turned out, you know, well for the Democratic Party. It was disappointing not winning the sheriff's race. I thought Kim Beatty was a, an excellent candidate. She won, you know, she wasn't the party's endorsed candidate. She won the primary very impressively. And I think she really impressed a lot of people. I think she's got a future in, in this party. And, um, but it was disappointing we couldn't win that after. And again, it's been about 24 years since we've won a race for uh, sheriff in this county. Looking at the mayoral race in the city of Buffalo right now, the write-in candidate um, has about a 10,000-vote lead on India Walton. Say that holds and Byron Brown is reelected to a fifth term. Will there be any tension between him and the Democrat Party, do you think, going into that fifth term? You know, I don't think so. You know, keep in mind that the Erie County Democratic Committee endorsed Byron in the, um, in the, in, you know, in the primary um, matter of fact, it's endorsed them every four years that Jeremy has been, um, Jeremy's always been chairman. Um, and I think Byron himself would admit that he, his effort in the primary was less than um, fruitful. He, he just, you know, he did not turn out his people in the primary. Consequently, um, he lost in a surprise. You know, some people say low turnout rate. But the bottom line is he, it certainly energized him and his forces for the fall election, once he decided to go uh, the write-in route, um, he certainly put on an impressive uh, campaign. He was burning on all cylinders, um, media, you know, field operation. Uh, it was an, a, an impressive uh, uh, marshalling of his forces, and uh, he was obviously successful. Looking outside of Erie County, um, nationwide, we did have the upset in Virginia and the almost upset in New Jersey, where we almost saw a Republican uh, defeat a Democrat. Do you think, as a Democrat, do you think these are signs of what the midterms could bring? And what kind of adjustments would you like to see the Democrat Party make going into those midterms? Well, you know, as it turns out, this is a cyclical nature to what happens after a a president of one party gets elected. Um, and then what happens the following year in New Jersey and um, Virginia? Keep in mind, uh, the, the year following the presidential race, there's only two governorships up out of the 50, and that's Virginia and New Jersey. And typically, those governorships go to the party whose presidential candidate um, lost the, the previous race. In other words, the party that wins the White House usually loses the governorships in Virginia and in Jersey the following year. So this year we did lose one of those. And yes, in a nail biter, we just barely won the one in New Jersey. But I don't think this necessarily pretends, um, you know, to be a, a bad sign 
for the Democrats. It certainly wasn't a great sign for sure. But keep in mind, you know, two, two or three days later, we passed a bipartisan infrastructure bill that's been waiting to be passed for probably six, seven years. Um, during Trump's term, every week was infrastructure week. And we didn't have infrastructure week until this week when they, both Democrats and Republicans voted as they did in the Senate. In the Senate earlier in the year and then again on Friday night, Democrats and Republicans voted for an infrastructure bill that I think is going to be very popular. It's going to put a lot of people back to work. And most importantly, it's going to fix the infrastructure of this country that's been long neglected for, for too many years. What is your outlook for, I know we're a year away, but what is your outlook for the midterms? Do you see the Democrats nationally being able to hold at least one of the houses going into uh, the midterm elections? Well, I'm certainly hoping they do. Um, I think in one area the Democrats need to do better in, is, is in messaging. You know, what happened, you know, if you look back at Clinton, he gets elected, and then we, got, we, we started fighting for national health insurance, and we went to work on that very mechanically, but didn't really communicate what we were doing. Meanwhile, the Republicans did put a negative spin on that. The same thing happened with Obama. He gets elected, goes right, you know, first he saved the economy, which, you know, was in tatters when Obama took over. But once the economy was straightened out, he went to work on um, the Affordable Care Act. And again, Democrats went behind the scenes, started working very, you know, hard on this. But the Republicans spent that time defining what we were doing in negative terms. And the same thing has happened again this time with the, um, the Build Back Better plan. So what the Democrats have to do is get off the defensive. What we're doing is both with the infrastructure bill and with the Build Back Better uh, plan is take care of the needs of the regular working people in this country that have really been left, you know, just unmet for decades. And, you know, over the last 40 years, we've seen a tremendous shift in tax revenue from, the, you know, the, the general coffers to the, the richest 1% in this country. And, it's a, and what that has done is really been, has been a, taken away the government's ability to take care of average, everyday people. There's no doubt we have fallen behind on, the, on pre-K, on child care, on paid family leave. These are things that other countries have and do much better at than we do. So what Biden and the Democrats are doing is addressing the need to finally shift the government from focusing on just the wealthiest amongst us to the average working person who needs assistance in order to get back to work, particularly after the pandemic. And I think the Biden administration, once the, the second bill is passed, they're going to have a strong record to run on, and they should go on the offensive not the defensive when this is over. Why is it taking so long to meet the needs of everyday working people who are struggling to survive, not only in a pandemic, but in a, in a, in a country that has really seen the emphasis of government go toward the richest and not the average hardworking person? You know, and and all of what you said, there's one person you didn't mention, and that is former President Trump. Do you think in 2022 the Democrat Party needs to stop um, campaigning against Trump and campaign on exactly what you just said? Well, the, the problem with Trump is he has a way of keeping himself in the news. You know, now you got the January 6th uh, investigation going on. Um, every day that looks worse than it actually was, which, which was pretty, pretty bad. Um, so Trump has a way. There's more criminal investigations going on in New York City. So Trump, because of the just the nature of the way he operates, in a very chaotic, um, you know, almost entertaining type of way, 
He keeps himself in the news. I think Biden has been very good at focusing. First, he had to get control of the pandemic. Uh, he, he did that. You know, we got more people vaccinated than anybody ever could have imagined. Um, the, you know, certainly the number of cases are going down. The number of deaths are going down. So now that that is at least within the reach of getting that behind us, we're now focusing on the needs of everyday working people. And I think that's going to be a strong message. And once the Democrats communicate effectively what has gone on, not just in the past four years, last eight years, but what's gone on in this country over the last 40 years, I think you're going to see that the, the Democratic base turn out in great numbers and hopefully keep the Congress. Historically, there's no doubt about one thing. Um, the party that's in power has a hard time in the following election keeping the number of seats they have. But given the very unusual, unprecedented nature of the times that we're living in, I think the Democrats coming to the aid of average working people and getting the emphasis on just the people that have the money to sort of manipulate these elections, I think it's going to be a good uh, opportunity for us to keep uh, one or both of those houses. Lynn, as we saw in the city of Buffalo mayoral race, we saw Byron Brown do the writing campaign against India Walton, who called herself a Democrat socialist. Um, it looks like Byron Brown has won. Do you think it, in the Democrat Party there is a place for both those who are moderate Democrats, who we see a lot of in Western New York, and those that are more the India Waltons and the AOCs that, compl- uh, that call themselves the uh, Democrat socialists? Absolutely. Um, you know, first, you have to keep in mind how well uh, both in 2016 and 2020, how well Sanders did in the Democratic primaries. He didn't win, but certainly a very um, strong percentage of Democrats, um, not that they identify themselves as socialists, they identify them as people who, who are focused on the needs of the person at the bottom and the person in the middle who's struggling to get by. And, you know, Washington has really become a place where special interest money is driving the the, the whole system there, and oftentimes leaving out the average person who really built this country after World War II and the the families that fought in the war and then came back and, uh, you know, got jobs working in steel plants and and, in other industrial settings. Um, We've lost that, but the people who worked in in those plants, people who really built this country, have really been forgotten and the Democrats are focusing on getting that straightened out. So I think, yes, there's definitely room for a progressive and moderate force. That is, in fact, what the Democratic Party is now. We are a diverse party of a number of different interests. You know, I remember when I was chairman of the county legislature, in our caucus we had liberals, we had conservatives, we had men, we had women, we had blacks, we had whites, we had um you know, just a whole with business people who are focused on on small business. We had a very diverse caucus, and that's what the Democratic Party is. At the end of the day, it's a party that really is open. The doors are open. The Big Ten is open for everyone. But if we could just learn to work together and focus, and as, as President Biden said yesterday, never has the working class done well when the the richest amongst us haven't done well. That that. That model has worked in this country for many, many decades. We've got to get back to it. There's plenty of room for success for everyone, but you can't just focus on the most, the wealthiest amongst us. You have to focus on the person who's out there working every day to try to educate their kids, to try to get health insurance, to take care of their elderly parents. That's what the Democratic Party is about. Republicans have forgotten some of that, and I think that's why we're still in this ballgame. We've got a great chance to keep the Congress even though the headwinds will be blowing against us uh, in, in 2022.
Lynn, I know you got to get out of here, but I just have one quick uh, last question for you. Uh, Letitia James has entered the race for governor. What do you predict for a Kathy Hochul, Letitia James primary next year? Well, I think Kathy Hochul is off to a fantastic start. I mean, I, I could not be more proud. Uh, as somebody who was chairman when she advanced both to county clerk and then to Congress, um, and watched Kathy's career just bloom and, and blossom since, uh, since those days, I think Kathy Hochul is going to win the Democratic primary in June. And look at there may be Tish James against her. There may be Tish James and Bill de Blasio, maybe Jamani Williams. There could be three or four downstate candidates in that race. Kathy Hochul has now got the advantages of incumbency. But more importantly, people are getting a chance to see somebody who really loves what she does, is open to everyone. She's focused on the needs of not just downstate, but the people of upstate and throughout the state. I think her eight years as lieutenant governor that she spent going to every corner of this state, meeting meeting with the local officials, picking up the most mundane and sometimes minor matters, those are important matters for those people to get resolved. Kathy has taken that to the taken that spirit and taken that uh, spirit of generosity to now that she's an incumbent and she she is going to just blossom over the next seven months and she's going to win that Democrat primary. Lynn, I apologize for keeping you a minute later than we uh, agreed, but thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hey Joe, really enjoyed it. Have a great day. It's a great, beautiful hug. Thanks, you too. Go Bills. That is Lynn Linehan, former Erie County Democrat Party chairman. And uh, he asked me to have him out by 1025, and I didn't have him out till 1026. So I feel bad uh, keeping him uh, a minute later, but I do appreciate him joining us this morning. When we come back, County Comptroller-elect Kevin Hardwick will join us, and we'll talk about his election. But I also want to kind of touch on the things we touched on with Len Linehan and see his point of view as someone who has been in both political parties. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It is Hardline on Bill's Game Day here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer with you. And let's get right into it. As I said to open the show, Saturday, 
Saturday. Oh my gosh. Tuesday was election day here in Erie County and around these United States. And one of the victors on Tuesday was Kevin Hardwick as he was elected comptroller. I was about to say reelected, but no, just elected comptroller. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Sorry about the Hokies. Uh, I feel for you. I hope that you do better in the survivor pool today. Hey, you don't have to worry about that. I'm already through. I had the Colts. Oh, congratulations. Hey, good good man. Good good call. I had the Colts in both my survivor pools. And here's the thing. In my, my smaller survivor pool, uh, there's only me and my former co-host, Brenda Alacy, left. So, Brenda, I'm sorry, but I need the Titans to win today so I can wrap up that survivor pool. Both know it's a big survivor pool you're interested in. And so now you're going to sit back and, uh, and uh, root for upsets. Exactly. I'm telling you, this it, picking the two, the Thursday game and winning is the best when it comes to survivor pools because, like you said, now Sunday I'm just picking off everyone else on that pool. Yeah, upsets except for the Bills game. Yeah, oh, oh ooh, don't let's not even let's. I've had a bad weekend in sports, as you know. Let's let's hope the Bills don't pull a Sabers and uh, blow a big lead late in the game. Yeah. Now, Kevin, I want to ask you. Well, we'll get to your to your victory, but I want to ask you the first question I asked Lynn Linehan, and that is, what is your uh, analyst of what happened on Tuesday here in Erie County, and how do you feel about uh, the Democrats that won and the ones that lost? Well, I think that um, overall, nationwide, it was not a good day for the Democratic uh, Party. Uh, we saw that uh, down in Virginia, of course. We saw it uh, in parts of New York State. And some of that trickled down into Erie County. I mean, those are the things, whichever side of the political aisle you're on in a local race, you can't control. Um, and I think that, that hurt Democrats here. Um, the, I, I would not have been surprised by anything in the mayoral election. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. This has been a crazy year, starting with the primaries took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I think that the uh, uh, my hope, of course, was that uh, Kim Beatty would do a little bit better in the sheriff's race. Uh, you know, she's, she's an incredibly well-qualified candidate. She worked hard. Uh, I tripped over her all summer long on the campaign trail. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, no one worked harder than, than Kim. And, uh, and I, I, I tell you, she's a good person, a great candidate. And I hope that, uh, you know, it's, this one's not over. It's going to absentees. But it doesn't look, look good for her. Uh, but I hope she'll stay active because uh, she really has a lot to offer. Now, let's focus in on your campaign. How would you rate this, uh, this campaign to the other ones that you've done in your political life? It, well, it was a lot, lot larger. Uh, and uh, obviously it was a countywide campaign. The largest district I've run in before is the fourth uh, legislative district uh, representing Grand Island and most of the Tonawandas. Um, it was also a campaign in which I didn't have uh, uh, control of everything. You know, you can't, you know, when you're running a smaller campaign, you're doing everything. You're, you're sending out the mail, you're licking the envelopes, you're stamping things, uh, you're knocking on doors. This one, there were a lot more people involved in it. I mean, that's the nature of a countywide campaign. And so, you know, you don't even know exactly what's going on all the time. Uh, but I got to tell you, it was kind of nice because it had a lot of help, uh, a lot of great help. And we had a, had a fantastic team. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the nice things about the team is everybody didn't, didn't agree on everything. 
when you get into a groupthink situation and one person says, well, let's do this, and everybody nods their head, um, you know, you don't consider the alternatives, and you need to do that. There was a, there was a lot of uh, um, um, discussion about what we were going to do within the campaign, and I think it, uh, I think it worked out for the best. Now, um, you know, the, the last two comptrollers were against the party of the sitting county executive. And, and I would say both Mark Polonkars and Stefan Mihailo at times, uh, it was, you know, there was a lot of tension between them and the sitting county executive. Uh, what are you expecting when you take that office next year? Well, I don't I, I hope there's there's not the uh, the, the backbiting uh, and the uh, the the fighting infighting that has has marked the last several years, uh, I hope that we can work together with the county executive and the legislature and the sheriff and the county clerk to get things done. I think government works best when people, uh, people agree to work together, if they can. Obviously, the controller is the taxpayer's watchdog. There is a check and balance function there. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have to oppose everything that, that someone else in another corner of government uh, says. Uh, so I, I, I hope it's going to be a good uh, good era for Erie County government. Now, I, I want to go to election night, Kevin, and uh, I, I want to ask this because it's something that I've seen talked about on social media. Your, your victory speech, sure. and, and you brought up January 6th. Now, why did you feel that was important to bring up after winning the comptroller's election? Well, I think, uh, I, I think that was uh, part of the, that spirit of divisiveness. Uh, was the genesis of my campaign. Uh, were it not for uh, the, the current controller and some of his actions involved with certain groups uh, that, uh, that, that I think spewed hate, uh, not only nationwide but specifically in this community, uh, I would not have been running. And I think, you know, it, it just it upsets me personally that uh, people kind of slough off what happened on January 6th. January 6th was not a, you know, was not, was not the equivalent of uh, some, uh, some riot that we've seen uh, in, in an American city in the last few years. This was an attack on the capital of the United States. It was, a, it was an attempt to overturn the results of a democratic election. Uh, we, you know, and here it is 11 months later or whatever, and, you know, we've, we've kind of forgotten that. Uh, I think we needed to re- be reminded of that constantly uh because uh it 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 scares the heck out of me what happened and the fact that uh that uh it could happen again uh should scare us all but kevin let me ask are you saying that all republicans should be labeled with the january 6 uh what happened on january 6 absolutely not joe no more than all democrats should be called socialists uh but we had we had uh we had that happening during this past campaign uh, and, uh, you know, it, uh, that's, that's just as wrong. No, I mean, I did not label all uh, uh, Democrats or all Republicans insurrectionists. Uh, if you listen to the speech, I talked about the current controller's office and the spirit of divisiveness there. That's what I was talking about. See, one of the only people I can ask that question to is Kevin Hardwick. So, uh, Kevin, I, w- I want to go now on a national level because, you know, this is something that we talk about very often, and, and that's national politics. And you hear Brian and I talk about messaging, and even Len Lenahan in the last segment talked about messaging. And we saw Virginia, and I want to focus in on Virginia and get your thoughts on this. Um, I was about to say Len Lenahan. Glenn Yonkin uh, won a very uh, tight election against 
former Governor Terry McAuliffe. And one thing he did was not use former President Donald Trump. Do you see this strategy working for Republicans in the midterm elections? And what would the Democrats counter to that be? I, I think it I think it varies by place. Certainly, if you're you're down in the deep south, uh, you know, invoking the name of Donald Trump probably still works. Uh, but I think it turns off a lot of people, especially suburban women, uh, which is a group that that Virginia election hinged upon. Uh, and the Republican candidate was to capture was able to capture back the suburban women who had turned on Trump uh, during the presidential election and, and gave a pretty um, easy victory in Virginia to uh, to Joe Biden. Uh, messaging is 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 critical. I mean, believe me, uh, there are a lot of Democrats uh, who rue the day that someone came up with uh, the uh, the phrase "defund the police" because that's been dogging Democrats now for a better part of three years, uh, and they've 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 got to find a way to get beyond that because that hurts Democrats. Republicans bring that up, and uh, and Democrats lose elections. Looking at the the midterms, if and like you said, in the, in those districts, do you see even more seats going Republican if the Glenn Youngkin uh, way of running an election is followed? Yeah, I think I think uh, Democrats are scared to death about that prospect. Uh, you know, if you ask me to put on my analyst hat and 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 play it down the middle of the road, I would think uh, there's a good chance that both houses of Congress, uh, certainly the House of Representatives, uh, will uh, will will go to the uh, to the Republicans uh, next year. Now, there's a lot of time between now and, and next November, and Democrats have to do something to change the narrative. Uh, but there's a lot going on. The other thing that's going on, of course, in the House of Representatives is redistricting. Uh, Texas, for instance, is getting two new House seats, and all of the uh, House districts, including the new seats, will the lines will be redrawn, and there will be a lot of gerrymandering going on, just as there will be gerrymandering going on in New York. Uh, but we're losing uh, a a seat, uh, so that means one less seat for for Democrats to uh, to gerrymander uh, in New York. So yeah, I mean the 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 results of the census and the uh, the pickups in the House of Representatives uh, favor the uh, the states controlled by Republicans, uh, which is going to be an additional factor uh, in addition to everything we've talked about already. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be a good year. Uh, for uh, for Democrats. Uh, but then again, as I said earlier, there's a lot of time between now and then. And as the Sabres found out, <laughs> period, if you take a lead into the third period, you know, it uh, it may not hold up. You're too good at reading my mind because I was literally going to say that uh, when, when you were uh, after your answer. Now, I want to get to your new job, Comptroller. Away from the Mets. Oh, well, hey, we got a few months. It's funny. Someone actually asked on the text board, would I, what would I prefer, a Bills Super Bowl, a Virginia Tech national title, or a Mets World Series? And I said, you know, I, I can't be greedy. Whatever they give me, I'll be happy with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. But right now, uh, of the three, you know, you take the Bills. Super Bowl, oh, right. Well, 100%. Now, speaking of the Bills, uh, the, the Bill Stadium, which is really starting to heat up as we have about two months until uh, Pagula Sports Entertainment has said they'd want some kind of framework for a new stadium. Um, now, you take office in January. What do you think your role will be in this new stadium? 
depends on the timing. You know, I mean, uh, uh, in, in terms of the timing itself, just a, just an aside comment, you know, we, we kind of ended the other day, we ended the Eichel watch, right, the Eichel trade watch, because everybody was saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen, dragged on for months. Well, now we're on the Bill Stadium watch. When's there going to be a deal? What's the deal going to look like? And, and so on. Uh, right now, I'm a member, obviously, of the county legislature, and I have one of 11 votes that's needed to pass whatever deal the county executive and the uh, the state and the Pagulas are able to to come up with. Um, but again, I'll be leaving that seat uh, December 31st, and John Barnese, uh, who was elected the other day, uh, will be taking that seat. As controller, uh, you know, I will not have a direct say in that. It'll be the county executive and the county legislature. However, uh, I I think that the county county controller can provide a lot of good data, a lot of uh, analysis. I think we have the sorts of people in that office to provide the sort of information that might be helpful to legislators as they consider uh, whatever deal is uh, is struck. Um, you know, we we know going in, we'll know going in what the uh, the stadium will will cost. You know, we'll know that how much the stadium costs. We'll know how much the state is paying, how much the NFL and the Pagulas are paying, and what the county share of that will be. What we won't know, what is tougher to quantify, is the uh, is the benefit coming back. You know, how much uh, sales tax revenue will will there be? How much income tax revenue will there be coming to the state? Uh, how much uh, how much property tax revenue will there come from? You know, having more money floating around in the community and people buying houses. And, and, and things like that. What about the, the, the jobs that, uh, that people will, will get because the bills are here as opposed to if they leave? I mean, there are so many, so many things that need to be quantified. Um, I think the, the, that the sorts of people in the controller's office uh, with their uh, unique skills uh, are the people that, that can provide some independent analysis of that. Having said that, um, you know, I take office January 1st, if the deal comes down together late in December, um, you know, I'm going to take a few weeks to get organized and to, to, to ramp up on day one and to come up with that sort of analysis might be a bit of a challenge. But if it happens, uh, we, we, we certainly will do our best. It's certainly something I, I, I want to do because I think we can do a great service uh, to, the, uh, to the people of Erie County if we, if we take on that task. Now I got to ask you, Kevin. Are you still uh, you're still going to be teaching at Canisius and the Comptroller? I am. I am starting to bail out of my classes already. I canceled. Well, um, <laughs> I'm in the process of of shutting down some classes. If I can teach a class uh, before you know before I, I I go to work or after I go to work or on weekends occasionally, certainly that's that's something I want to explore. You know, we're we're looking at that now, but uh, I I will not I will not be teaching full time as I have been for 32 years. My uh, my role will my role may entirely be shut down. We'll see, uh, or certainly it's going to be severely scaled back. Now let me ask you: This might be a tough question because I asked you this question half of this question last time you were on. What are you going to miss m- uh, more, uh, being in the legislature or ke- uh, teaching at Canisius? Yeah, I think I probably uh, – I can't remember what I said back then, but I probably ducked the question because it's a tough one to answer. I bet. Um, I, well, I think – yeah, let, let me answer it this way. I, I, I would miss very much teaching at Canisius. It's something that I've, I've done. Being around the students uh, keeps this old guy young, um, and, and I think I, you know, I've had a lot to, 
to, to give there, to pass on. I've helped a lot of my students uh, uh, start, jumpstart their careers, uh, and it's something I, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of. Uh, I'm also proud of what I've done in the legislature, but I'm not going that far. I'll be around the legislature, uh, you know, and, and I'll be across the street in, uh, in the RAF building, uh, but I will still be interacting with them and trying to, you know, provide the analysis uh, that they need to make good decisions. So uh, I won't be that far away. Kevin, I want to ask you the same last question I asked our previous guest, and that is, uh, back to the analyst hat, uh, looking down in Albany, uh, a primary between a Kathy Hochul and Letitia James. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of that uh, next year, and who do you think has the upper hand? Well, it depends on what the dynamics uh, look like uh, in, uh, in, in June. I assume it'll still be a June primary, um, you know, and how many candidates are in there. If there are multiple downstate candidates splitting that New York City and, and, and Long Island vote, uh, then that would that would be good for Kathy Hochul. Uh, certainly, she's looking at that. Um, she certainly has, I think, in her short tenure in office, I think she's helped herself. She's building her name recognition. She seems to be everywhere. She's picking up endorsements across the state. Um, so I, you know, I, I I think she has a she has a good chance. Uh, but what if it were came down to one on one against a downstate candidate? Um, you know that that certainly is uh, is something that would be tough to pull off. But I think that uh, if anybody can do it, Kathy Hochul can. And the last question, and this is the question I've been waiting all half hour to ask. Uh, now that you're the Erie County Comptroller, does that mean you can't come on with your favorite host anymore? It it means uh, it, it it would never mean that, Joe. It would never mean that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'd love to come on with, uh, Susan Wenger anytime. Oh, <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Well, Kevin, again, congratulations on your victory and, uh, go Bills. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Joe. That is Kevin Hardwick. He is the county comptroller elect in Erie County. He's also the former host of this program. Uh, he's the one that created it and perfected it. And then I came in and, well, I do what I do now with it. Uh, When we come back, so that was the Democrat Hour. Like how I did that there? That's the Democrat Hour. You had Lynn Linehan and Kevin Hardwick. Both, by the way, were busy today and made time to come on the show. And I want to say how thankful I am for that. Now, our next two guests also have busy days and have made time to come on the show. And I also am truly thankful for that. And that is Carl Calabrese and Congressman Chris Jacobs. So we had the Democrat hour coming up next, the Republican hour. Stay right there. A lot more. An entire another hour here on Hardline on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.